Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the Brothers Catch Up. Uh, if you're tuning in, you may be used to our dual podcast where me and my brother sit down and talk and just have a conversation, and we catch up once a week. And this week, things are a little different. If you're listening to this first, um, I'm Frankie Biazzi, and I'm currently in Florida. So this week, me and Sal are not recording a podcast together. We're going to each kind of record our own separate podcasts, little half-hour pieces, throw them up, and kind of see what, what comes of it. Now, on this feed, if you're listening to this on Spotify, iTunes, you will have, you can look, if you listen to my brothers, I have no idea what he talked about or what he is going to talk about. Um, but I'd imagine this is going to be very different. So, I think I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it and kind of briefly just un- catch up why, why I'm here. Um, I'm down in Tampa, Florida right now. I came down to Florida for a wedding. Me and my fiance drove down on Thursday night, 15 and a half hours, which we made impeccable time. I don't know if you've ever dr- taken a long drive like that before, something maybe over 10 hours. It just gets grueling after a while. Um, but honestly, this was probably the easiest drive we've ever taken before. I think it had something to do with the fact that, one, Amanda fell asleep almost instantly, so she just kind of slept the entire time, and I threw on Survivor on my phone, and I just watched an entire season of Survivor while driving down, and honestly, that really helped pass the time, kept me up, keeps the adrenaline going, who's going to get voted out next, so it was nice to kind of keep keep distracted from just monotonous highway driving through the middle of the night with no one else on the road. So that is why I'm here in Florida. I had a wonderful time at the wedding. Hopefully we didn't get COVID. Uh, we'll just wait and see what happens there. Um, but I guess that's kind of where this will lead me is obviously we know last week what Texas did. Texas opened up everything. No took away the mask mandate no capacity, let's just, let's just open, let's just figure it out, and the, you'll, you hear it about Florida, for sure, right, like, oh, Florida's open, Florida, what, what, what Ron DeSantis is doing is dangerous down in Florida, and I gotta tell you, these people are crazy, if you've actually been in Florida, are they more lax than, let's say, New Jersey, for sure, there's no denying that, is it, a wasteland of just lawlessness and masklessness. It's not really. Everyone's pretty much still wearing a mask. Like today, I went to a couple stores, and yeah, there are definitely people who aren't wearing masks, which more power to them. I kind of think that's pretty cool. I I had my mask on. Um, but that's mostly because I don't want to get yelled at and be recorded and thrown on Twitter. I think it's ridiculous. So that's why I kept my mask on. But I do think it's a lot of overreacting to to Florida. Like, I don't think Florida is really as crazy open as everyone is talking about. Um, although I do know if you're in the Tampa area and like Ybor city, I mean, they're just open. These bars are just full on packed people in. So I get, I guess I'm kind of, kind of contradicting myself. It is pretty open. But with that being said, in my 30 minute podcast, in my little solo thing, what I really want to talk about is 
just an, a, a wide variety of topics. And I kind of want to jump into something that is near and dear to my heart that I love to death. And me and Sal don't typically talk about it much. And that's golf and the PGA Tour. And man, what a golf tournament we had this weekend at none other than Bay Hill. Now, if you don't watch golf or follow golf, here's what you need to know about Bay Hill. Um, it's Arnold Palmer's course. It is so iconic on the PGA Tour for the finishes you get on 18. The amount of times we've seen Tiger drain what seems like the same putt maybe seven or eight times. I mean, he's won there eight times. It's incredible. And Bay Hill delivers, man. When, when you're talking about golf, there are just certain golf courses on the PGA Tour uh, rotation that just they deliver. We just saw it a couple weeks ago at Riviera, and we saw it again this week at Bay Hill. Bay Hill is a classic course. It delivers every time you're there. And, of course, today it shows up. The wind was whipping, and it showed its teeth. And uh, Bryson DeChambeau walks out of there with another victory. And before we even get into Bryson DeChambeau, before I even start talking about how much I love this guy, I do want to talk about what Bay Hill did today. So I do have the scoreboard pulled up today. I'm just going to do a quick count of, let's see, one, two, three. All right, so what I can tell in the entire field that played today, 72 players, only three people shot under par, and all three of those people only shot one under par. So three people shot a combined three under par today. Now, like I said, I'm down in Florida for a wedding. I used to work at a golf course in Florida. So I called up some of my, my connections there, and I got to play this morning. And that was in Orlando. So I was not too far from Bay Hill when this was going on. And I knew this morning how tough Bay Hill was going to play because, oh, my word, I couldn't, couldn't keep a, the ball on the planet. When... I don't know if people look at Florida as a windy state. It's not like in Oklahoma or Texas. But, man, when the winds are whipping and when you get, like, those north winds, oh, it is – what happens to golf courses is unbelievable. It is so hard. I, it, it's hard to, to describe just how difficult it is to play golf when it's windy. And I think the natural reaction is going to be like, well – when you hit the ball in the air and the wind's going against you, you naturally hit the ball shorter. And that's obviously true. But what people don't talk about, for the amateurs, we don't know how to control our spin. If we hit a ball that has side spin into a crosswind, see ya. See a golf ball. You're never getting that thing back. And that's why when you look at the PGA Tour and these guys play ridiculously hard golf courses we just saw them last week at concession and what what kind of havoc that course like just had on the players and then you add wind and these players really start to falter so today Bryson DeChambeau goes out to Bay Hill and he wins 11 under for the weekend for the week I should say and that is just a fantastic score Bay Hill um, I've played Bay Hill f three or four times. Legitimately one of my favorite courses. It is a phenomenal track. Um, 
And to anyone who's into golf, if you want to play at Bay Hill, you can. It is a... They have a membership, but if you stay at the lodge on property, you can play there. So if you want to play Bay Hill, it's definitely doable. And I suggest it. I really do. I think it doesn't get talked about like a like a pebble, obviously. It doesn't have the views. It's an inland golf course in Orlando, Florida. But the history that's there is incredible. And like I said earlier, it just delivers. And sure enough, again, it delivers. But here's what, where I kind of want to draw this distinction. I do believe Bay Hill delivers, but at the same time, is it this this week specifically, was it Bay Hill or was it who was playing? I would make the argument it was who was playing. Bryson DeChambeau, the most electric man possibly in sports, maybe maybe even outside of golf. This dude is just out here slamming drivers like he's on the long drive tour. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hitting, hitting golf balls that are flying 370 yards in the air and then pointing at the ball with both hands in the air, screaming. That is what golf needs, man. Golf needs more of that. Give me the energy. And then, on the flip side of that coin, all the way at a nice T4 this week, Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth, over the past month, has been playing some of the best golf on tour, and it is incredible to watch. Sadly, he had a pretty rough day today. He shot three over, um, which honestly, in, in the conditions that they played today, with the rough at Bay Hill, how long that course plays, and then you add the wind, it's 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 a very hard course. And uh, But Spieth had a decent showing. He had a hole-in-one yesterday on, on uh, Saturday that was incredible. And it's just good to see... Uh, Spieth back, and I think golf is in a great spot. This this season on tour, golf has been incredible. It seems like every tournament we're getting awesome finishes. We had the Max Homa, Tony Finau playoff a couple weeks ago. Last week at Concession, we had a great uh, tournament. So it's just been, it really has just been awesome to watch. But at the same time, I know that if I keep rambling about golf... I'm going to lose a lot of you, so thanks for letting me indulge on that, and uh, now I'm going to kind of switch it up here and talk about some uh, some social issues, maybe? I don't even know if they're called social issues. The Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss scandals. Are they scandals? Are they canceled? I don't know, because according to the New York Times... Oh, I'm sorry, that's not the New York Times. According to The Guardian, no, Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato and Mr. Potato Head haven't been canceled. Here's the difference. And then it goes on to explain how the it's different that these weren't canceled because it was actually Hasbro and the Dr. Seuss family that decided to to make these changes. And I'll give them that. That's true. It's not like there was an angry mob calling for these books to be removed or calling for the Mr. and Mr. Potato Head to be gone. So yes, you're right. They weren't technically canceled. But at the same time, is this not a product of cancel culture? Is this not a product of what we've created? That families and companies have to be proactive in changing things that maybe don't need to be changed? Now, I'm going to specifically talk about Mr. Potato Head because I think 
trying to talk about Dr. Seuss, I'm going to get in trouble because one, I have not looked at these books that are being taken off the shelves. So I don't know. Maybe there really is stuff in those books that are problematic and that's fine. And if there are, I get it. If there's explicit racism in books, especially children's books, yeah, it's probably not great. Let's let's uh, go ahead and change that. But when we're talking about Mr. Potato Head, what are we doing? Why does Hasbro feel the need to have to take away the Mr.? I just don't understand what it, what is that accomplishing? Who's happy? Is Hasbro happy? Are they going to sell more dolls that way? Now, what happens to Mrs. Potato Head? Is she gone? Can you buy a Mrs. Potato Head? So now you just have Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head? Or is Potato Head just taken over for both of them? I doubt that. Because if that's the choice, I think it's a terrible decision. Because Hasbro's going to lose out on some money. But, that's, I guess, my point here. Is these decisions aren't made in a vacuum. They're not made in a bubble. It's not like Hasbro just woke up one day and said, Eh, let's get rid of Mr. Potato Head. They see the writing on the wall. They see where our society is going. And they said, hey, let's get out in front of this and let's let's get rid of the Mr. Potato Head. And I get it. But at the same time, when does this end? When do we stop? I used to always kind of shit on the <laughs> slippery slope argument. I thought it was silly. Like, there's no such thing as a slippery slope. Like, you... you one thing, everything is individual, and I really did believe that, but no more, I don't think I can, I think it's too hard to believe that now, I think the slippery slope argument is so real, and I mean, you can just look at today's, today's society, and I think it's a lot, I I compare it a lot to the technology curve, like 30 years ago, when like the first cell phone was coming out, or however long it was when the first cell phone came out, It was this giant brick that could just make a few phone calls. And then, in the next few years, the phone gets smaller. And it's still just a phone creating phone calls. And then a few years after that, hey, we can can have texting and, and more screen. And then a few years after that, you get a Blackberry. And then they introduce the first touch screens. And then all of a sudden, we have what we have today, and it's we have these tiny, magical, freaking things in our pocket at all times that give us anything we want at all times, and it's crazy how fast technology, that curve, that, that exponential curve up of like how fast technology improves. And I think it's the same thing with the cancel culture and the woke culture, is that it starts out in a good place. I really believe that. I think cancel culture started in a great place, right? Like, I mean, why this is a, we, we check this person's Twitter history and turns out they're a vile human being. They should be canceled. Great. Well, slippery slope. When does it stop? Who do you stop going after? Then we go after statues. Because let me tell you this. Nobody's perfect. I don't care who you are. Me, Abraham Lincoln, Barack Obama. The Rock. I don't care. Everyone, every single person has something in their past that probably could get them canceled. And so when we talk about this cancel culture and what it does to our society and how fast these things can just take off. 
and we, and we if we look back now, like when this first started, we're not even going to be able to recognize it pretty soon. And I think that's kind of apparent in what happened with Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato Head. That now we have to be proactive against cancel culture. And it's just, I don't know. I really don't know what to make of it, you know? I guess it's just kind of take it one day at a time and see where society takes us. <clears throat> but what I do know is at some point, the people who are on the other side, who aren't as sensitive, and who think if you're an asshole, maybe, hey, maybe they're just an asshole and they don't have to be canceled and just let that person be, I think those people have to start fighting back. We can't let this continue to happen, or else it really is going to devolve into a society where everyone is pointing the finger and canceling each other, and no one is left. Who's going to be left after that? Because it's, it's happened numerous times where we've seen a Twitter, a, a verified Twitter account, take screenshots of someone else to cancel them. And then in the replies, they're going to be screenshots from that person's Twitter account canceling them. And it's this never-ending cycle because we're all terrible human beings. Because being a human is hard. And interacting online is hard. Because it's new. We're new to this, man. Twitter's not that old. It's really still young. The internet as a whole is young. People who have been around the entire time the internet has been around has seen some shit online, man. The things that used to be on E-Bomb's world, that, that like... I don't know, like, it's it's so hard to judge. I don't know how we're, we're all supposed to be given these phones and then everyone has to feel like they're jury, judge, and executioner on what someone's online presence is. And it's scary. And I do think the slippery slope is going <clears> to... <throat> it's really going to drag us down into... I don't even know what it'll look like, but it's going to drag us into... Something that I'm afraid once we get there, we're never coming back from it. And it's scary. It really is. And then on the flip side of that, we have kind of what happened with Lola Bunny. Now was Lola, now Lola Bunny is a little, a little interesting. If you don't know, if for those who are unaware, <clears throat> Space Jam, the old movie with Michael Jordan is getting a reboot with LeBron James. And Lola Bunny, in the original Space Jam, is a rocket. A certified rocket. I get it. She's a cartoon bunny. That's gross. But listen, when Space Jam came out, I was like six years old. And all I know is, me as a little boy was looking at Lola Bunny going, hmm, I like this bunny. She's attractive, she's got a nice body, and she's an athlete, she's an alpha woman. What a great role model. But of course, as is everything in our society, it has to change. So, for the reboot, Lola Bunny gets desexualized. Which, I don't even know what that really means. They just took away her, her boobs, which is, I guess, fine. Like, I guess a rabbit probably shouldn't have had boobs in the first place, but whatever. So they, they take away her, her boobs. They take away her shirt that was, uh, would, it showed her, 
her abdomen area in the original movie, which she's a cartoon bunny. There's nothing there. Now she's wearing like a baggy shirt. Her shorts are a little bit longer. Her body's less curvy. And they kind of took out some of her, like her big, like, uh, I don't know what you call that. The eyeliner? Eye, eyeshadow? I don't know. But she's not wearing, like, makeup, I guess. So, it's just weird. I don't know why that had to change, right? Like, if we're talking about feminism, isn't having a cartoon like Lola Bunny a, a nice thing? That we can have a strong feminine character that balls out on the basketball court that both little boys and little girls can look at and be like, that's a strong woman playing a sport. Like, isn't that sending a message that, like, if you're attractive, you can't play sports? Because if you're an athlete and you're trying to play sports as a female, you have to look a certain way? Or, maybe I'm just looking too far into it, which most certainly could be the, the case. But, all in all, again, I do think it just kind of all goes back to this slippery slope argument and it scares me it really does but i digress and i move on and i try to think of things that that don't get me so wrapped up on social media because at the end of the day mr potato head dr seuss cancel culture lola bunny none of it matters it's all a bunch of crap to distract us from from the real meaning of life and this is where i'm gonna get really philosophical are you ready the real meaning of life is baseball. Come on. Of course it's baseball. And if you're tired of listening to me talk about baseball or to me and Sal talk about baseball, I got news for you. I ain't going to stop talking about baseball. Boy, do I love baseball. And we're in the we're, we're starting to get to that point in spring training where I don't really care anymore. In fact, we're, we're definitely there. Spring training to me is exciting for the first three to four games. You start to see everyone. Once you see a few at-bats from all, all the, the starters and you see every pitcher get maybe one or two outings and everyone is looking okay, I think all the excitement goes away. And, you know, the, the classic thing when it comes to spring training is that Whatever happens in spring training, it doesn't matter. You could have a great spring training and have a terrible season. You could have a terrible spring training and have a great season. So, when we're talking about the Yankees specifically, right? Like, I look at DJ LeMahieu. I don't care what he does in spring. It doesn't matter to me. I look at Aaron Judge. I don't care what he does in spring training. It truly doesn't matter to me. But, if I look at a guy like Aaron Hicks, Aaron Hicks is interesting. I do kind of care about what he does in spring training. Not that much. But I like to see that he's walking, you know, because like that's his game, and I want him. And he was kind of hurt. He's had a weird past couple seasons because of the injuries, and sure enough, he's he's rocking a 400 on base percentage in the early going in spring, and that's <clears throat> a good sign. Now again, that could that could be super low, and I really wouldn't have cared that much. But it's nice that it's there. Stanton, all I'm looking at at John Carlos Stanton is just stay healthy, dude. If you can get through spring training healthy, I'm gonna be happy. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt doesn't matter what he does. Luke Voigt could strike out every single at-bat. Doesn't matter to me. Gleyber Torres, he's an interesting one, right? 
He had a weird 60-game season last year. He kind of went off in the postseason. No one really talked about it because of his weird regular season. But he's having an awesome spring, and that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, okay, that's our guy. He's having a good spring, and that's awesome. And then as we go further down, we have Gary Sanchez. That's another one that, like, he could have a great spring, and it still means nothing because he has to do it in the regular season. But if he had a bad spring training, could you imagine the storylines? Oh, my God. And so what I really just want to want to hammer home here is spring training is a wonderful time of year because it, it means a couple things. It means the Masters is around the corner. And, oh, boy, can I not wait for this Masters. Because let's be honest, I know we got the Masters in November, but it it didn't feel like the Masters. The greens kind of looked eh. I know for the most part it looked okay, but it, it didn't feel like the Masters. And so really looking forward to that. We got March Madness starting soon. That's going to be exciting. Get to gamble on that. And then, obviously, at the end of all that, we have real baseball starting soon. And so, spring training more excites me for just what it means for the sports world. And then on the other side of it, we have football starting soon. Like, you got the draft coming up. Free agents can start signing. It's going to be crazy. So, it's a great time for sports. We're starting to get into that time of year where things are just rolling, and I get to be happy watching sports and kind of distracting myself from the uh the politics of it and i i was gonna kind of talk about politics tonight i was gonna talk about the stimulus bill and the ridiculous headline that the washington post had about it comparing it to the trump headline but uh, i don't care Uh, because i'm assuming sal's podcast went very 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 politic heavy so i'm gonna stay away from it And I've been rambling now for 26 minutes. So if you've listened to this straight of me just talking, you deserve an award. I can't imagine why you would. But if you did, thank you so much. And uh, I just kind of want to end on something that I'm going to toot my own horn here and just reflect on some growth I've had as as a human being. And I think it's, it's okay to do that, you know? I think it's okay to look at yourself comparing yourself to where you were maybe a couple years ago and be proud of who you are now and and how you've changed and different things like that and so this weekend at the wedding I was at the rehearsal dinner on the Friday night and there was a table of people my age you know 26 25 24 all sitting around and I don't really know them. There's one or two people at the table that I did know. And then there was this other table with a couple that were, again, my age. And then that was it. So I sat at that table. So me and my fiance are at that table with this other couple. We introduce ourselves. We're talking a little bit. And then this other couple comes and sits down. <clears throat> now, they're older. They're probably late 30s, early 40s. And I... Later on, another couple sits down, and they're actually the the parents of the of the bride, and they're old. They're even older. They're fifties, sixties. So now we're at this table, 
with just all different age groups. We have all different life experiences. And it's, I think it's really cool to like look back and know that if I was like just six years ago at 20 years old, with my so limited life experience, the few jobs I've worked, uh, I wasn't even graduated from college yet. And I, I, I don't really know how I would have handled that, but I know it wouldn't have been good. Like, I don't think I'd like, I don't think I would have come off intelligent. I don't think I would have come off as a, as a classy human being. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I would have. But what I do know is that now, as a 26-year-old who f I feel like I've really experienced a lot now, I've traveled, I've been in positions of leadership, I have worked in all sorts of industries and fields already at a young age, and I've, I've had a, at working at a private country club, like, I've had to talk to CEOs, presidents of companies, lawyers, doctors, like, I feel comfortable talking to to new people of all all different ages, all different backgrounds, all different fields. And it was so fun to be at that table and not the table with the kids. And I got to sit at this table and kind of mingle with with the adults, you know? I got to mingle with with successful human beings who have raised children and knowing that one day I want to be I want to be like like that. And I think I held my own. Um, I'll toot my own horn a little bit. Like I I think I think I'm a I think I'm a good conversationalist. I think I can start topics. If you bring up topics, I know a lot of things. Just not not that sounded like I know. I don't know that much, but I know references, you know. Like just because I'm 26 doesn't mean I don't know something from like 1973. Like so if you throw something out, I'll get it. And so I think it's really cool. And I, I I wish I had a better word than cool, but I, I really do. And I think you should look at that and try that in your life, you know, wherever you are. Take a second. Where were you five years ago? Where were you 10 years ago? Think about something that's happened to you recently and how you, and how you handle that situation. And would you have handled it the same, differently? Because I, I really think it's important that we kind of Reflect on who we are as people, you know? Like, who I am today is not who I was five years ago. And then who I was ten years ago ain't the same as I was five years ago. And we're always changing. Sometimes it's for the better, sometimes for the worse. But I'd, I'd hope it's for the better. And I think I'm going to end it there, abruptly. And if you take anything away from this podcast, awesome. If you don't, awesome. If you listen to this whole thing awesome if you didn't not as awesome but this is actually really fun i didn't think i was going to be able to talk for 30 minutes straight but turns out i can and i did and thank you so much for listening next week we will be back with another episode and by then me and sal will be together hopefully he will finally have had his daughter because it is currently sunday night on march 7th and he still has not had his kid and i can't believe it but until next week, thank you so much for listening, and uh, yeah, enjoy your, your day, your week, and uh, the rest of your lives. Thank you. Have a good night.